Well, hey, church family, welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Obar, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor to have you with us. Uh, today, we're actually wrapping up a series that we've entitled The Perfect Selfie, which we've been looking at different Christ-like virtues and different qualities that God wants us to put on our lives in our journey with Him. And so the Lord left the most important virtue, the most important quality for last, for the, for the last one. And so I'm excited to dive into God's Word, and I hope that you are too. So wherever you find yourself, turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, and you can just follow along with me as I read, all right? Let's do what God's Word said, says. It says this. So, so put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And here's a list of virtues and qualities. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, so there's the most important one, right? It says this. Put on what? Put on love. Which what? Which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love has a way, right, of keeping things together. You know, helicopters for over a century have always fascinated people. And even right now, whenever you see a helicopter get close to you, pass by, you know, there's a sense of wonder. Just a few years back, a friend of ours took us on a helicopter ride and, and family, listen, I felt like a little kid. I had so much wonder. And I think the wonder stems from how complex these machines are, right? But yet they stay in perfect harmony. Now think about it. Because when you see a helicopter ramp up and you see all those blades, right? Start moving, all that machinery, all that complexity start moving. There's something so special about it, but what's crazy is that it stays in perfect harmony and it stays stable, right? People get on helicopters and go places. And so it's just an amazing piece of machinery. But folks, the reason that all these blades and all these components are able to stay together in perfect harmony is because of a pin similar to this. Yeah, this pin may seem insignificant, but the reality is that it is critical. You see, at the top of the helicopter, the body of the helicopter, there's a piece very similar to this. It rests right on top of the helicopter and all the blades and all the components all meet right in the middle. And folks, what keeps all those blades and all those components together, bind it together, is this one pin. You see, if this pin was to be missing, if this pin would fall off, then all those blades will get loose. All those components will come, will get disorganized. And folks, that helicopter would suffer catastrophic failure. However, and don't miss this point, if that pin remains in place, if it remains securely fastened to this piece, that it will ensure that all those blades and all those components stay in perfect harmony, perfect unison. 
and the helicopter functions the way it's supposed to work. Now, family, let me just bring this whole example over to our time together because, listen, what an image, right, of love. You see, just like this pin is critical, is the one critical thing that holds all these components, all these blades together in perfect harmony. Listen, just like that. And here's the big takeaway this weekend as we wrap up this series. Love is that one critical thing that keeps everything about the Christian life in perfect harmony. Even though our lives are complex and there's many different facets to our life, love is that one thing that keeps everything binded together in perfect harmony. And who knows, maybe you're watching out, you're watching right now and you're thinking, Pastor, how does that work? I mean, I know love is important, but why is love the one thing that binds all things together in perfect harmony? Well, we're going to find out from Colossians chapter 3. And so if you have your Bibles, again, turn to Colossians chapter 3. And today I have two thoughts for you on how love does bind everything together. Write this down as point number one. First of all, love binds us to each other, to each other. Now let's go to the passage for today and let's just read it again. Let's do what it says. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's our identity in Christ. And here's the different qualities and virtues. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on what? Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, pause right there for a moment. Because the first thing that I want to point out in all these different qualities and virtues that we've been studying is that all of them are focused on other people. They're externally focused. So notice, when, when you show compassion, you show compassion to someone else that is suffering. When you exercise humility, you consider other people more significant than yourself. When you are meek, you really exercise something towards those people who are attacking you. When, when you forgive people, right, they're outside of you forgiving someone who hurts you. And so it's important to understand that all of these virtues are in fact actions of the heart, right, around, uh, to those around us. However, God's word here wants to make sure that you understand that even though all of these virtues are important, listen, love is the most critical one. In fact, in your Bible, go ahead and circle the word love. Because the word love, for example, in the English language, it's, it's a very simple word that is used to describe many types of love, right? You and I, when we say, man, I love my dog, I love my car, I love my wife, I love my pillow, right? We use love, there's one word to describe in many types of love. But in the original Greek text, you know, the Bible, we always like to remind you the Bible was first written in Greek and Hebrew and then translated to different languages. Well, in the original Greek, the Greek is a lot more, uh, is a lot, has more, more, um, more words for love than the English language. And so there's different words to describe different 
types or different kinds of love. So for example, you have the word eros in the Greek. And the word eros is meant to describe romantic love. In fact, that's the love that you have for a spouse or someone that you're romantically interested in. In fact, the word erotic comes from the word eros. Then you have the word storge. And storge is that love that you have for a family member, that you love your brother, a sister, a child, a cousin, right? It's that familiar love, that family love. That's the word for storge. Then you have the word philo. And philo is a friendship love. So when you say, I love my friends, then that's the word that you would use in the Greek. In fact, the, the city of Philadelphia, which is called the city of brotherly love, comes from this specific word, philo, phila, right? So there's that, there's, there's that uh, uh, similarity there. But here, the word that the God's word uses to describe how all these things stay together is the word agape. And the word agape in the original Greek is this divine love, but it's characterized by sacrifice. In other words, it's this, it's this divine love that, 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 that is sacrificial in pursuit of someone else's good. So there's sacrifice in love involved in this type of love. And here's why all these virtues are founded and motivated by this thing called agape love. And write this down as letter A. It's because this type of love ensures genuine virtues. Genuine virtues. Now family, listen carefully here because if we were just to try to be compassionate, humble, meek, forgiving, just because God's word tells us to, listen, that is what we call legalism. You know, legalism is when we try to adhere to God's law but not because we want to, but because we have to. And so, for example, anyone could do a compassionate act, right? Anybody could go and help someone that's in need. But if that act is not founded and motivated by this love, it's just legalism. You know, anybody could be humble. You know, you can act humble. You all have a, a visual of somebody who's humble. They just look down and, you know, they just have that droopy, you know, that droopy um, uh, countenance, right? So anybody could act humble, but if that humility is not founded with genuine love for someone else, listen, it's just legalism. You see, nothing that you do in your life is acceptable before God unless it is motivated and sustained by love. Now, family, let me just repeat that because it's so critical you understand this. Nothing that you do in your Christian life, in your walk with Christ, is acceptable before God as genuine if it's not motivated and sustained by this thing we called love, agape, sacrificial love. And so this love not only ensures that all these actions that we do are in fact genuine, but also write this down as letter B, love ensures unity. It ensures unity. In fact, listen to what the Lord, let's go now to John chapter 13. Listen to what the Lord says about how important love is for unity. It says this. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. 
By this, all people will know that you are what? My disciples, if you have love for one another. So folks, notice for just one moment. When people look at the church, right? When people are looking at us, what's going to ensure that we are united, what's going to ensure, first of all, that they recognize that we are followers of Christ is the way that we love each other. And so the way, when people look at us as believers in Christ, as a church family, what's going to show proof of that we are in fact children of God and that we are united as one is the way that we love each other. But I want you to know there's something very interesting about this passage in John. Because have you ever noticed that Jesus here says, I give you a new commandment? And that is to love one another? You know, many of you may be thinking, why is it a new commandment? Didn't God, before John chapter 13, command us in the Old Testament to love one another? So, 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 and the answer is yes. In fact, listen to what Leviticus chapter 19 says. He says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, the nation of Israel, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So, so why does Jesus say, I give you a new commandment? Like, why does he say, I give you a new commandment if that was already given in the past? Well, it seems here that the Lord in, 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 the, Old Testament, in, in, in the Old Testament is emphasizing more of the unity of a nation. You know, just like we're supposed to love other Americans, right? We're part of this nation. I think God, you know, being the people of Israel who were slaves in Egypt and now he brought them out of slavery, they're a brand new nation. He wants to ensure, listen, you're loving each other. You're one people group. However, the reason that it is a new commandment here is because it's a superior type of love. It's a sacrificial type of love. You see, in this passage in John chapter 13, the Lord had just finished getting down on his feet and washing the disciples' feet. He got on his knees to wash the disciples' feet. And then he's about to start his journey to the cross. And so he's saying, listen, as I'm showing you this type of sacrificial love, listen, you ought to love one another in that way. You know, I've been in ministry for a while now. And I've been in many different meetings. And I find it interesting that in meetings where people have sharp disagreements, like sharp disagreements, if there is this love for each other, this sacrificial love, there's unity. You know, they can differ pretty sharply, but if there's love, unity maintains. But on the flip side, I've also been in meetings where even where there's no love, that even the, the smallest little difference breaks up the unity of that group. And so what I would encourage you, you know, whenever you are in a group setting, in a small group with other believers, whatever the case may be, if you're sensing that there is a, there's not unity, the answer is that somewhere along the line, people are not loving each other with the love that God has for us. See, this love has a way of keeping the people of God glued together in unity. And so not only does love keep us united to each other, but more importantly, write this down as big number two, love binds us to Christ. First of all, write this down as letter A, us, us to Christ. Now we all know that what unites us to Christ 
is really our faith in him, right? Make no mistake about it. Listen, we are saved by faith and faith alone. The Bible says that when you put your faith in Christ, you are forgiven of your sins. You start a relationship with the Lord that never ends. And so, listen, we are saved from our sin by faith and faith alone, not because of our good works or how our, our good morals, but rather from our faith in Christ. But here's the question that I would pose to you. You know, what's different from your faith than from someone else's faith that just acknowledges that God exists. Yeah, I believe that God exists. What's the difference? So for example, let's suppose you're at work and you take out your coworker for lunch and you're hanging out, you're talking and somewhere along the line, they see you go to Christ Fellowship. And so you start talking and you start sharing about the things of God, of how God has worked in my heart. I love my church. I've just, you know, it's amazing. And so you start talking a little bit about the gospel of how Christ died for them and he wants a relationship with them. And then towards the end of the conversation, you pose the question, would you like to accept Christ as Savior? Would you like to put your trust in Christ? And at that moment, they tell you, well, don't worry about it because I already believe in God. I believe God exists. I believe that Jesus exists, that he died on the cross. So I'm fine. Listen, I'm just like you. And folks, I cannot tell you how many times in sharing the gospel, I get people to respond to me in that way. Yeah, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in God. And, 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 and because rarely do people ever say, I don't believe in God or I don't believe Christ existed. So does that mean that their faith in Christ is enough to save them? And the answer is no. In, in fact, the book of James says this, that even the demons believe and shudder. Listen, if there's someone that believes that God exists, that he died on the cross and they know the truth are demons, yet they believe and they shudder. And so the question is, what is the difference between a demon's faith, your coworker's faith, and your faith in God? Well, it's simple. A faith that is true saving faith is a faith that is intertwined with love for God, with affection for God. In fact, let me just show you a couple examples of how closely related love and faith are together. Listen to what it says in John chapter 16. This is Jesus speaking. He says this. He says, for the Father himself loves you, and notice this, because you have what? You have loved me, and have believed that I came from God. You see how love and belief are closely tied together? There's, there's a sense that love and, and faith in Christ go together. And let me give you another example. From 1 John chapter 5, it says this, everyone who what? Who believes that Jesus is a Christ has been born of God, right? So there's faith right here. And then it says, and everyone who what? Who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So again, another example where love and faith, where affection for God and faith are closely tied. In fact, if you go throughout all of scripture, the one key thing that you see the people of God is that they love the Lord, that they love the Lord. And so what I'm saying is that true saving faith that binds us to Christ is not just faith that believes that God exists, it's not faith, just, but, but rather it's a faith that is interwoven 
with affections for God. In fact, let me just give you a quick illustration to help you understand. So for example, take a power cord just like this, right? I think we all are familiar with a cord from home. We connect our lamp, we connect our computer, whatever the case may be. And we all know that each of these, of these um, uh, connectors, right, they have two prongs, right? We're all familiar with these two prongs. Now, many people may think that both prongs are the ones that conduct electricity. But the reality is that even though there's two prongs, there's only one prong that really carries the power. The other prong is simply a neutral. And, and, and so here's what happened. If you were just to try to stick in just one, the power one, it would not work. Why? Because you need the neutral along with side of it. In fact, the whole cord is what? Is intertwined with these two with, 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 these, with these two prongs. And so folks, folks, what, what an image, right? What an image of saving faith. Because even though we know without a shadow of a doubt that faith is what saves us, right? Faith is what connects us to Christ, right? That we're forgiven of our sins. You know, there's an aspect of love that needs to go along with it. You see, there needs to be an affection for God in the way that we, 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 we see God. And if you think about it, it starts making sense. Because the reason that you obey God and, the, and your coworker doesn't is because you love the Lord. In fact, listen to what the Lord said in John chapter 14. It says this. It says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him and we will come come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. So you see a difference here? Love is closely tied to that faith. It almost energizes that faith. And so what I'm arguing here is simply this. Yes, faith is what, what saves you. Absolutely. But man, that faith needs to have just affection for God, a love for God. Because I believe, listen, most of South Florida believes that there's a God who exists. But very few people have this true affection for God to the degree that they trust Him with everything about their life. And so not only does love, right, really connects us, binds us to Christ, but also write this down as letter B, also Christ to us. In fact, listen to what it says in the book of Romans chapter 8. Listen to what it says. It says, who shall separate us? from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Or to put it more into a modern context, were you losing your job or your bankruptcy or your marriage struggles or your health issue? Will those things separate you from the love of Christ? That's what it says. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor Anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Don't you love that? You see, the reason that the reason that God's word says that nothing could ever separate you from God's love is because Christ is alive today and is still loving you. You know, a, a, a wife whose husband has passed away may say in a funeral that nothing will separate me from his love. And she might mean that the memory of his love will be sweet and powerful all of her life. But that's not what God's word is meaning here. Because the love of Christ is not just a memory, but rather, listen, Christ is loving you right now. Right at this very moment, listen, Christ is loving you. You see, at this moment, the Lord is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And the one thing that is on his mind is you. Listen, I don't know what's happened in your life. Like I said, maybe you're going through discouragement, anxiety, marriage issues. You're going through things at work, financially. But listen, the Lord is aware and he loves you with a love that will never end. And folks, because he loves you, he will never leave you in the middle of this trial. He will never forsake you in the middle of your worst moments in your life. He will be close to you like never before. And so listen, the love of Christ, just like our love connects us to him, listen, the love of Christ is all, connects us to us and he's loving you right now, regardless of what's happening in your life. So let me end with this. You know, going back to my opening story, I didn't share this with you, but you know what they call this pin? They actually call it the Jesus pin. Yeah, no joke. They call it the Jesus pin. And tradition holds that the reason that they call it the Jesus pin is because if, when this pin comes off, everyone inside the helicopter starts praying to Jesus. But you know, in a more serious note, Maybe when you're looking at your life right now, you may have a facade you know, on your face, but the reality is that deep down in your life, you feel like your life is falling apart. Things in your marriage, things with a family member, career, health, financial, things are just falling apart everywhere around your life. And you're wondering, who can help me put my life back together? Who, who can help me get back on the right track? Who can help me make sense of all this? And the answer is Jesus. And so maybe you're out there right now, you're thinking, Lord, Pastor Omar, I, I, I want to start this journey. Listen, I can't, I can't go through this season anymore without God. So I want to put my faith, my, I want to start this relationship with Christ. How do I do that? It's very simple. The Bible says that the way you start a relationship with Christ, the way you bring Christ into your life, listen, it's not by good works. It's not by going to church. It's not by doing good things. It's not by being a good person. It's simply coming to the Lord in faith, with true faith, with this faith that says, you know, Lord, I love you. I want to walk with you. I want to seek you. I want you in my life. The Bible says that when you come to him with this faith, he forgives you of all of your sins. And you start a relationship with the Lord that never ended. 
And so if that's you, listen, I'm going to lead you through a prayer right now. Wherever you are, just pray this to yourself. Pray this quietly to yourself. But listen, when you, when you pray this, you pray this to the Lord. It's not a ritual. Pray this to God, and he's waiting for you. Okay, let me pray with you. Father, today I realize that my life is just in disarray. And even though I put a brave face in front of everyone, Lord, deep down, I know that it's falling apart and I need you. I need you to come into my life and bind all things together. So Lord, today I come before you and I put my trust and faith in you. Lord, I'm asking you today to forgive me all of my sins, to give me everlasting life, and to help me live a life that honors you. Help me, Lord, to love you. Lord, help me to experience your love so that I can live my days knowing you and serving you and obeying you. God, thank you, Lord, for drawing me closer today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, if you pray that prayer wherever you did, listen, make sure you go to cfmiami.org slash connect. Just fill out that form to click and check off. Today I came to know Christ. And one of our pastors will reach out to you and will help you take steps in your new journey with the Lord. Well, then next week, I want to invite you to come back next week. We are starting a brand new marriage series called Marriage on the Rocks. Yeah, you know, many people, many marriages, many relationships in during this time have really struggled. And either they're on the rocks or on the way to being on the rocks. And so we're going to dive into God's Word starting next week. And we're going to see what is a marriage, what, what it takes to take a marriage from being on the rocks to being on the rock who is Christ and Christ alone, right? So invite your friends and family. Huge, huge series for you to invite. I'm telling you, they're gonna love it. And so will you, right? God bless you all. Stay safe. Love you all.